Welcome to this week's podcast. I'm Stuart McCullough. I'm the CEO of VHAA. And joining me today is the Director of Workplace Relations Services, Tim Nagel. Welcome, Tim. Thanks, Stuart. Good to be here. All right, Tim, I'm just going to put an image up on screen, which will suggest the subject for today's discussion. Based on that clue, um, what would you say the subject for today's discussion is? Well, it feels a little bit like a trap, but it it, it looks like the AMF log of claims. Uh, it is indeed the AMF log of claims. I have simplified things uh, somewhat dramatically. Uh, that is the clue, and that is the subject. Today, we'll be talking about the log of claims that the AMF recently served on health services uh, ahead of negotiations to replace the current nurses and midwives agreement. Uh, we need to emphasize that this podcast is, is not a substitute for uh, reading and reviewing the claim in detail, and it's intended as a uh, high-level overview only, uh, but it will serve as an introduction for members who may have not had a chance to turn their mind to the AMF's claims as yet. Uh, so first things first, Tim, what is the size of the claim uh, that we've received? How many claims are there? Uh, it says 129 claims, excluding subclaims. All right, so just in terms of, let's give that some context. In the last round, there was a marked increase uh, to more than 250 claims. That was in the context of negotiations where wages had already been settled and the 2020 agreement was intended to not include major claims, which uh, had the effect of resulting in a lot of detail and a lot of uh, smaller claims. Uh, and before that, really, uh, used to be the case that we would expect uh, a log of claims to have about 70 uh, claims or so. Yeah, so it's more than the traditional number, but far fewer from the last round. Uh, and that might mean a couple of things, but it could mean that the claims are more targeted uh, in nature. Yeah, there's certainly some uh, key themes in the log of claims. So let's go to that issue of, uh, of themes uh, and the overarching theme, which is there on the front. Uh, how has the ANMF log been framed? So the theme is retain, recruit and rebuild, and the log acknowledges the impact of the COVID pandemic and the significant staffing pressures that occurred during that time. And uh, we should acknowledge that there are also themes around clarifying some existing causes to reduce disputes, uh, which members will recognise as a key priority for our claims. Yeah, that's right. And some claims uh, in the ANMF log are framed in the context of gender equity. And it must also be acknowledged that the issues identified in the preface uh, to the claim are ones that health services and community health centres would generally recognise and relate to. Yeah, that's right. Uh, the claims in the log are divided into 12 categories. And generally speaking, most of those 12 categories take their description from the current IR policy, government IR policy. Uh, specifically, they reflect examples of Pillar 3 initiatives. Uh, so for those who don't remember or, or haven't watched the VHA podcast with regards to the, uh, the state government uh, IR policy, Tim, uh, can you remind people what a Pillar 3 issue is? Yeah, so a Pillar 3 issue is uh, relates to additional strategic changes to the agreement. Right, so a lot of focus on, trying to, on connecting the claims to Pillar 3. Um, just moving through the 12 parts of the ANMF of claims, what's part one? So it's headed preliminary and covers such things as coverage, both existing and possible new employers, NES changes where more beneficial and a centralised workplace implementation committee as well. Uh, so members will recall that uh, NES changes uh, also form part of the approved employer log. 
Yes, yeah, so and part two is headed addressing high instances of unscheduled absences on weekends and nights by increasing penalty rates for those shifts or amending rostering practices. So within uh, part two, there are eight separate claims. And they go to issues around night duty and in particular price for night duties. Our weekend penalty rates, including when the weekends begin and ends, when morning shift starts and a claim regarding the Anzac Day public holiday. Uh, in a broad sense, the, the claims mostly seek to, to attach a higher price uh, for work performed at certain times. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, in terms of part three, part three is headed as follows. Amending opening hours to provide incentives to employees who work expanded hours to ensure services are available at times convenient to the community. So there are 18 uh, claims here, uh, and that doesn't include the subclaims of which there are a few. Um, Tim, it'd be fair to say that the claims in, in part three are, are pretty diverse uh, in nature, and, and some don't have an obvious connection to the heading. Yeah, certainly. If there's a theme, it's about attaching or increasing a price for certain types of work. So in some instances, um, it should be said that the claim goes to addressing a gap. Uh, and the first claim under part three is an example of that, where it's a claim for a uh, working away from home allowance. Yeah, if working away from home seems unlikely, it's worth considering circumstances where health services are impacted by natural disasters that re require the relocation of services. Which is something that we have seen in the past year, and it's not addressed uh, by our agreement. And we know that hospitals and, and community health centres aren't immune to the increased number of natural disasters. Yeah, that's right. A new allowance is also proposed in this part for moving between wards or being redeployed. Uh, there's also a focus uh, on change of roster and supplementary roster allowance, um, which is which in the claim uh, is at a high level, and we look forward to getting to understand the details of those particular claims. Uh, but it is worth noting that the approved employer claim also has claims with respect to the supplementary roster. So we, we're identifying the same issue, even though there might be different ideas. This may be an instance where both parties are seeing the same issue, but bringing different ideas to the table about how to address that issue, as you said. And there are also claims to increase uh, the on-call allowance for weekends, days off and public holidays, and requiring that only on-call be used other than an emergency. So there will be a lot to unpack. Uh, all the detail is not in the claim itself, but um, that's what the parties will be discussing. Uh, there are claims to increase the minimum amount of annual leave from five to seven weeks and to simplify access to the sixth week. Uh, and it's fair to say, Tim, within that part three, quite a few of the items are cost items. Yeah, that's true. Probably the key consideration for us as we work through the claims will be what effect does it have on the supply of labour that effect could be positive or negative, but given where we find ourselves, the impact on the supply of labour is almost a threshold question for considering claims. It should also be acknowledged that within this part, there are a number of claims that go really more to clarification uh, of existing entitlements, such as how annual leave is managed in connection with parental leave and clarifying that the current 10-minute meal break during overtime is paid. That's right. So part four is under the following heading, uh, removing or reducing restrictions which impede the efficient allocation of resources. This is very much tied to that point we just made around uh, supply of labour. And there are a dozen uh, items under this part. It's a mix of items that don't have an obvious connection to the category heading, to be honest. And it includes a claim for something like study leave entitlements for ENs who are working towards becoming an RM. 
which is also an employee claim. So there's a clear shared interest there. And there are claims in this part around the involvement of a senior nurse or midwife in managing performance or conduct issues, postgraduate employment model, uh, facilitating agreed rotations between hospitals, as well as nurse practitioners. There are also uh, claims regarding long service leave, including the recognition of service from local government and interstate, as well as the ability to be available for casual bank employment during long service leave. And with respect to parental leave, there is a claim uh, about a proposed requirement to offer keeping in touch days. Uh, for those who don't recall what a keeping in touch day is, it's something provided for under the Fair Work Act, uh, which occurs by agreement, where someone returns um, while still on parental leave, they return to the workplace. That's right. So part five is under the heading of addressing identified skill or capability gaps and incentivizing and facilitating employees' skill development through access to specified TAFE training. So there are two claims here, uh, one of which is the introduction of registered enrolled nurse students or RENs. And this is a claim that goes to the supply of labour. And there's also a claim as to the minimum EN rate in community health. Yes, that's right. Uh, part six is headed specific measures to address gender inequity. So there are 22 uh, items in this section with a large number of subclaims. So the, the claims in this section are pretty diverse. Uh, the claim for wage increases is under this part, and it's worth noting that the claim seeks the increases provided by government policy and seeks that other factors be considered, including gender equity, cost of living, retention, interstate territory competitiveness, and other considerations. A lot, a lot to consider there. Uh, there's a claim regarding flexible working arrangements, uh, part of which is about updating uh, those to reflect the needs, and part of which is about lifting the test for refusal from reasonable business grounds to unjustifiable uh, hardship. Uh, there are claims regarding uh, what should be included in superannuation calculations, how payments for family violence uh, leave should be calculated also. Now, there are a range of claims regarding existing leave categories in this section, including the right to take annual and long service leave during parental leave, seven days of compassionate leave, uh, an increase in parental leave to 20 weeks, and removal of del the delineation between primary and non-primary carer, and a shift for disaster, uh, special disaster leave to be per occasion rather than per annum. And there's also a claim regarding expanding the number of days without evidence for sick leave per year. And claims for new types of leave, including gender affirmation leave, which aligns with an employer claim, 36 hours paid leave to access prenatal leave for fertility treatment, an additional 10 days for those with caring responsibilities for those with a disability, up to five days per calendar year to volunteer for a non-for-profit health aid organisation as well. And there are also claims within this part with respect to staffing, including acting in charge and skill mix. Yeah, that's right. That takes us to part seven, which has the following heading. Our targeted wage increases to a specific and identifiable cohort of workforce who have historically been underpaid because of gender, for example, through reclassification of a particular feminised role. Uh, and there are nine claims uh, within this part which are directed really to particular classifications. They include claims around the RN and midwifery entry rate, uh, EN rate relativity with RNs, 
definitions to describe nurse practitioners and endorse midwives, specifying the rate to pay nurse practitioner candidates. And it should also be noted uh, that there are claims regarding the nurse manager classification structure and other roles that from our perspective are still in the process for resolution under the current agreement. Yeah, that's correct. Well, that takes us to part eight, which has the following heading. Uh, measures to address specific workforce challenges, for example, workforce attraction and retention payments. So there are 24 claim items under this part. The claims here are diverse as well, including claim to compensate hyperbaric nurses for off-duty restrictions, support to return from those illness or injury, particular psychological injury, and terms regarding sexual harassment. And uh, there are claims to link the price for qualifications uh, for the qualifications allowance to experience. Um, there are claims around the director of midwifery and other classification claims, which include a new classification of team leader and amendments with respect to CNS uh, and CMS. Yeah, it should also be noted there's a range of claims in this part with respect to Rousson and Rousson. Which is an interesting one because it's it's pretty clear already that the the both parties have turned their minds to the issue of Roussons and Roussons and that there is some common ground. Yeah, there are also some claims regarding sick leave, including abolishing the cap on the amount that can be transferred and the creation of a sick leave pool. Uh, there's a claim to define a week's pay, uh, which could be relevant to something like paid parental leave, where that term is undefined, uh, and long service leave, where the term is currently defined. This part also contains a claim around a 32-hour week, more specifically to committing to trialling a four-day full-time working week. And just to explain that, in, in this context, a 32-hour week means the same rate of pay as that applying to a 38-hour week. Correct. Uh, part nine is under the heading of making our workplaces safer. Um, so there are 11 claims that really fall under two distinct uh, categories here. Uh, there are claims concerning HSRs, and uh, occupational violence. It should be noted that employees have a claim around creating a classification of OVA coordinator. So there's a shared interest in that space as well. Fair to say that we'll be engaging with the OHS representatives of the health services on the claims in that section. That's correct, yes. So that takes us to part 10. Now, part 10 is under the heading of because climate change is a health issue. Yeah, there's, there's one claim here which is made up of four subclaims. Uh, so we understand that the claims here are in part similar to those in doctors and training in the medical specialist agreements. Uh, so uh, some of the components at least won't be entirely unfamiliar to members. Yeah, although there might be a distinction in terms of a claim around classification and possible requirement to appoint to a role entitled sustainability nurse midwife representative, which is a little bit of a different, uh, mm. a different difference to the doctor's agreements. Uh, part 11 is under the heading of because continuity of care matters. So there are three claims under this uh, under this part. Two of those claims go to the issue of the continuity of care model for midwives, with another claim concerning proposed expansion of the regional midwife liaison role. And in terms of part 12, uh, that is entitled because we deserve to be paid correctly and on time. So the first claim uh, in this part is for overtime payments until the underpayment is rectified by payroll. Yeah, there's a claim regarding employers recovering overpayments to salary packaging as well. And there are some claims here around uh, qualification allowance, higher qualification allowance and 
under what circumstances an employer should be considered to be aware of the qualification uh, that's held? Uh, in addition, there are claims to leave loading, uh, to be on all annual leave uh, for the cost of mandated police checks and also a new allowance for health and comfort. So Tim, that's a very high level overview of the, the claims in the 12 sections. Some of uh, those claims will be ones that members recall from previous rounds, there, but there are also quite a few new ideas um, within there. The obvious question is where to from here? So ANF have prepared materials in support of a lot of their claims, which will give the parties an opportunity to get into a greater level of detail about the claims and understand where there's shared interest, uh, what's a cost, what impacts the supply of labour, and what has an operational impact as well. Tim, thank you for providing that uh, initial overview of the ANMF Local Claims. No, thank you, sure.